Hey, my name is Alyssa Wolf, and as a chronic pain specialist, I am on a mission to empower you to tackle your chronic pain naturally by uncovering hidden truths about pain and exposing the deeper cause. I aim to help you transform your relationship with pain because you've been in this relationship for long enough and you deserve better. You just need a little help to get out of it. And that is what the Chronic Pain Breakup Podcast is all about. I'll be busting pain management myths, teaching you some of the mind-blowing neuroscience of pain, and help you overcome some of the roadblocks that are keeping you from seeing real, long-term improvements in pain. Stick with me, and in no time, you'll learn the keys to breaking up with stubborn pain so you can get back to doing what makes you, you, and living your fearless and fulfilling life. So if you have chronic pain and are looking for no fluff, natural, science-backed pain relief solutions, pull up a seat and get cozy because you are in the right place. Let's get started. Um, so one of the questions that I get a lot from my clients inside the chronic pain breakup method is why does the pain spread? Like, is it possible that pain can actually spread without an injury? And why does it do that? Why does pain spread? And so I figured it might be good to share with you all on here and talk about why pain spreads because many of you listening may be struggling with that same question. So many of you listening may have had pain that started out many years ago in one location, maybe in your lower back or in your neck, but then over time, it just seems to have spread from one place to another. Like it's bad enough to have pain in one area, but then for that pain to travel, that's got to be super frustrating. And it is so confusing and so frustrating to have pain that just seems to have a mind of its own. Like maybe the pain starts out in one hip or in your right side of your lower back, and then it starts to travel. It starts to spread down the leg and then further and further down your leg. And then, um, you know, maybe that's where the pain stays for a little while, but then the next thing you know, you wake up and now the pain is on the other side of your hip and your other side of your lower back. And now it starts traveling down the other leg. And the next thing you know, it's working its way up your back. Then randomly one day your shoulder starts hurting and that just starts to progress and grows and travels from your shoulder and uh, down and travels into your arm and then your hand starts to go numb. And then there's this like numb, numbness and tingling in your fingers. And in the meantime, you're starting to get these headaches that just don't seem to want to go away. And so for some of you, you've experienced the situation where you're trying to get treated for your pain, but your doctor or your physical therapist says that you have to just pick one area because we can't treat all of them at once. Does that happen to you? Like how ridiculous does that sound? Like we can only treat one area at a time. So just pick one. It's ridiculous. And honestly, it's kind of BS because there's absolutely no reason they can't treat more than one area aside from the reason of, well, we have insurance. And sometimes you may get the approval to have one area treated. And so you work on that for a little while and you... Um, you do your physical therapy, and then maybe you get a couple of injections in that area, and it, maybe that area even starts to feel a little bit better. But as soon as one area starts to feel better, the pain pops up in another area, and it just feels like this never-ending cycle. The pain spreads, and the pain travels. It seems to move, and you're just constantly chasing the pain. 
I think that this process, this traveling pain leads to so much more fear and anxiety about what the problem is. Like what is actually going on? Why is the pain spreading? Why is the pain moving? Right? Why am I hurting in so many different areas? You know, the fear and the anxiety starts to creep in about like what is actually going on, right? Did I just re-injure myself? Is is my entire body starting to break down? Is something really wrong with me? You know, there must be something really wrong with me. And so if this is something that you can relate to, if you also struggle with spreading pain or traveling pain, I totally understand that fear and that anxiety that you probably feel. It totally makes sense to me that this is super frustrating, that you probably feel really defeated and that you probably feel a little bit pissed off at the healthcare system for putting up these roadblocks in front of you, like preventing you from getting the treatment for all of your different painful areas. And it makes sense to me that you feel anxious about like what the heck is going on because it doesn't make any sense. And also this is something that many, many of my clients have struggled with. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, this is something that I get asked about a lot from many of my clients. And as a chronic pain specialist, this is something that I'm quite familiar with. Okay. It's something that is very common for individuals with any kind of chronic pain. In fact, it is actually one of the telltale signs of a nervous system problem or of a problem a pain problem that involves changes in the nervous system that cause and contribute to pain. And so for many of my clients, it can be quite validating to have a better understanding of why this is happening, because it can relieve some of that anxiety that they have about like, what is actually going on in my body. And not only that, to give them some peace of mind to know that you're not just crazy and that your body is not just totally breaking down on you. So today I'll explain a few different ways that pain can spread or travel, or really why does pain spread or move around so much when there isn't really a new injury that happens, okay? So most of the time, if pain spreads, uh, it starts to, if pain starts to spread, we automatically start to think that it means that there is a mechanical component involved. And that makes total sense, right? Like if you have pain in your foot or you have an injury in your foot, you start to walk a little bit differently because of the pain. Because of that injury, you start to walk different. And so over time, because you're kind of walking funnier, you start to develop pain in your knee. And then that gradually works its way up to your hip or your back, you know? And so the same thing if you have can happen if you have pain in your shoulder you know maybe you start to compensate and that eventually starts to have an impact on the other nearby areas as well like your neck or your upper back or your shoulder blade your arm your elbow your wrist your hand right all of that because of the compensatory movement patterns that develop because of an injury and so that makes total sense and yes that is one mechanism for how pain can spread it does happen. I've seen it all the time in the clinic as a physical therapist, and I have had it happen to me personally. And also there is just more to the problem of spreading pain than really meets the eye. It's totally possible that pain can spread without any new injury, um, without any mechanical components, 
And that's what I'm going to be talking about and sharing with you today. So let's get into it, shall we? So one way that pain can spread is through sensitivity of the peripheral nervous system. So there's this thing that I actually heard about in my physical therapy career called double crush syndrome, double crush syndrome. It sounds absolutely terrible, doesn't it? Double crush syndrome. Like I honestly hate the name of it. And I think that it just sounds like one of the most terrifying diagnoses. And I honestly think it's a total misnomer because the mechanism most of the time doesn't actually involve any crush injuries. But what we see very commonly is that folks with a nerve-related problem in one area tend to have pain either distally or proximally to that area following the course of the nerve. Okay, so for example, it's actually extremely common for folks with a neck problem, like cervical radiculopathy, or what some would often call like a pinched nerve in the neck, to also have carpal tunnel syndrome or pain in the wrist, which is often believed to be due to pressure on the nerve in the wrist, okay? Or vice versa, it's very common for folks with carpal tunnel pain to have pain also in the neck. The same is true in the lower extremity. So it's very common for folks with back pain or sciatica to also have plantar fasciitis or other pains that could be very well uh, some kind of misdiagnosis related to pain in the foot and the ankle. So this is the thing. So often when we have pain in both areas, we start to look for those mechanical causes, right? Where's the nerve getting pinched or where's the nerve getting compressed? Uh, and so that's what we tend to look for. And while sometimes it's true that there is a mechanical compression on both the proximal and distal sides of that nerve, it's actually more likely that there isn't really any mechanical compression going on. What's happening in these areas or in these cases, in these cases we, we like to call double crush syndrome, it's not actually a double crush to the nerve. It's more likely that we have a sensitivity in the nerve. See, when one part of a nerve is compressed or irritated or getting pulled or stretched, it's going to change the baseline level of activity in that nerve. And so parts uh, of that nerve downstream or upstream from that area uh, can also change in their sensitivity. So the pain can actually start with some mechanical pressure on one end of the nerve, say in the neck, but then start to cause sensitivity, pain, numbness, tingling, pressure, discomfort in the distal part of that nerve, okay? Again, so instinctively, we start looking for the mechanical parts of the problem. We start looking for carpal tunnel syndrome, and we may even do uh, some treatments to address that, like injections or even surgery to kind of open up the carpal tunnel area. But sometimes this is just not a great solution because it's not actually addressing the deeper cause of the sensitivity in that nerve. So surgery or injections or anti-inflammatory agents are not going to address that sensitivity of that nerve. But the good news is that we can affect the activity in those nerves with some very simple drills. Okay, so when the drills are done correctly and they're done the right way, there's some very simple drills that can change the expression of our genes in those nerves to lower the baseline level of electrical activity and thus lower the sensitivity in those nerves, okay? Another way that pain can spread 
or really travel is due to our immune system. So anytime we have an immune response, any immune response is going to sensitize the nervous system, okay? When the immune system gets kicked on, those immune cells and those immune chemicals actually interact with our nervous system. They can change the baseline electrical activity in our nervous system and make it easier for our nerves to uh, pick up stimuli and then send danger messages. And so that means that in the presence of inflammation or any immune response, the nerves are going to need less of a stimulus to fire. And that means that things that normally wouldn't cause the nerve to fire, cause the nerve to fire. And normally that's a good thing because if you're having an immune response or if there's inflammation, that means that your body is trying to heal or protect you from some kind of uh, fight off some kind of foreign invader. In those cases, it's good for our nerves to become super sensitive because in those cases, we need to know that we need to take it easy so that we can allow our bodies to heal or to repair uh, from a damaged tissues or to fight off an infection or a foreign invader, right? So we want to know that this is going on so that we can rest and allow that healing or that protecting to happen. So we're not just using up our resources somewhere else. That healing or that protection essentially becomes the priority. So the nervous system gets sensitive in the presence of inflammatory chemicals. But also the thing to know when it comes to spreading pain is that the immune system also has memory to it. So the immune system can remember problem areas or areas where it had, has had trouble in the past. So now anytime that you have an increase in inflammation or you have any type of immune response at all, those immune cells and those immune chemicals go right back to those problem areas, the areas that were troublemakers in the past. And when those cells and those chemicals get there, even though there may be no new damage or new injury or new infection, those chemicals cause nerves to become more sensitive in that area. Okay. So what happens? Well, those areas will start to hurt again or start to hurt worse again. The pain spreads and the pain travels. Okay. You may think that you had addressed that pain or that injury a while ago, but then all of a sudden, for seemingly no reason at all, the pain can just pop back up again because of these immune responses. Okay. So this is one reason that you may have traveling pain without any new injury, even though it feels like you have re-injured that area. Okay. And these immune system responses can be brought on by an assortment of different triggers, right? So could a viral infection bring up, bring on your pain? You betcha, right? COVID, the flu, any other kind of viral or bacterial infection can bring on a trigger an immune response. Eating certain foods may trigger an immune reaction. You know, you could have certain food sensitivities or intolerances, like for example, gluten or dairy or nuts or certain chemicals in our foods that may not, um, that may trigger an immune response. And also certain chemicals in our environment as well, like mold or other environmental toxins could be contributing to those immune responses. And also, of course, any new injury is going to cause this type of immune response as well. As the immune system kicks on, it kicks into gear to try to heal and repair those injured tissues, okay? Now here's the thing. 
so many people are constantly trying to eliminate the thing that is causing these immune responses. Like if eating gluten causes your immune system to go haywire, it makes sense to try to eliminate gluten. But what I've seen in my experience is that oftentimes changing our diet or eliminating the thing that's causing the immune reaction simply isn't enough, okay? It would make sense that it, it would be that simple, right? Logically, it makes sense, but sometimes we have to just remember that sometimes we have uh, the reason the immune system is getting kicked on and having a bit of an overprotective reaction to certain things like gluten, for example, could be because the nervous system is sensitive to begin with. If the body is in this overprotective state, it's in survival mode, it's thinking, gosh, I really, I'm trying to survive and I'm trying to stay in one piece and keep you alive and intact. And I'm trying to protect you from this potential injury. Then that system is going to activate that immune system response to begin with. It's already super sensitive and it's making changes to how your immune system responds, making the immune system a bit more overreactive too. So that when you do get a viral infection or you do eat something with gluten in it, or you do get a new injury, even if it's a minor one, the nervous system reacts and the immune system reacts like it's a death threat, right? Like it's good to have an immune response, but sometimes it feels a little bit over the top in relation to the actual severity of the actual threat that you encounter. Oh, hopefully that makes sense. So if the nervous system is kind of starting this problem, deciding that it's trying to protect you from a potential injury, then it makes sense to ramp up its other protective mechanisms, including making some changes to the immune system, okay? And then, like I said, the immune system just feeds right back into the problem by causing more sensitivity to our nerves. It's a vicious cycle. So we have to put a stop to it by not just changing our diet or avoiding potentially dangerous environmental toxins. We also have to try to change the fact that the nervous system is in this overly protective state and we have to retrain the nervous system. Okay. Now back to my list of reasons pain can spread. So we just went over uh, how pain can spread or pop up without any new injury or re-injury things to the immune system and these inflammatory responses. Now, a third way that pain can spread is through changes in the spinal cord, okay? So you may not know this, but the spinal cord actually is the very first place where processing information happens in our nervous system. Without, we kind of all think that processing of information all happens in our brains, but it doesn't. It actually starts in the spinal cord. Okay, so the spinal cord receives these messages from the nerves in our periphery or the nerves in our body. They pass these messages up to the spinal cord. And most of the time, the spinal cord's job is to process that information and decide which of that information is important and which isn't. So the spinal cord actually processes the information that it receives and filters out certain information and only passes information that is the most important onward up to the brain, okay? So the spinal cord is the first line of processing in our bodies, isn't that cool? So for example, because your brain doesn't need to constantly be bombarded with information from your body about whether or not you're wearing pants, the spinal cord is going to process out some of those messages 
because it's just distracting for your brain to constantly be having to be told that you're wearing pants over and over and over again. Okay, so those messages get to the spinal cord and the spinal cord decides that those messages don't need to go any further because they're just not important enough to pass up to the brain. So that message or those messages stop there at the spinal cord. And that is a great thing, right? The problem is, is that in some cases, this filtering ability of the spinal cord can change at certain levels. And what happens is more information that is not as important ends up getting passed up to the brain. So now instead of filtering out the message of you're wearing pants, the spinal cord passes that message up to the brain. And now the brain is hearing danger, danger, you're wearing pants. And what is the, so what does this have to do with spreading pain? Well, based on the way the spinal cord is wired, the pathways are not entirely straightforward, so to speak. So when this change happens in one part of the spinal cord, it not only affects the area where you have pain or where the pain originated from, it also affects nearby areas and the opposite side. Okay, so for example, let's say you originally had pain in your right knee. But over time, due to some changes in the spinal cord, that pain can spread to the right thigh, the right shin, and the left knee. Okay, now when pain does this, it can certainly feel like those other new areas have also been injured. And it's normal to think, you know, wow, my opposite knee is hurting now. It must be because I've been walking funny or I've been compensating. And now I have the same problem is starting to pop up um, on my other knee which can be super scary and super frustrating and make you want to jump on the phone with your doctor to try to set up an appointment to get an x-ray or an MRI to figure out what's going on in this other side. But what we often don't realize is that this change could happen due to the spinal cord, which can cause pain to spread without any injury at all. And this is something that's very common in individuals who have had pain for long periods of time. In fact, this is the result of having high levels of pain for long periods of time. I actually believe that it is the mechanism or one of the mechanisms for which people who experience spreading pain with CRPS um, and why they have spreading pain with CRPS. That being said, you don't have to have CRPS diagnosed in order to experience this phenomenon, okay? Just saying, <laughs> okay. Now, the fourth way in which pain can travel and spread is through changes in the brain, of course. The functional ability of the brain can change when you have chronic pain, or should I say these changes may actually be the cause for pain becoming chronic. But either way, the brain can undergo this change where the area of the brain that processes messages from the painful body part can actually lose some of its fine-tuned processing power. And that part of the brain receives information from the body via the spinal cord, those messages sort of land on that part of the brain and the brain not being able to process those messages as well, assumes that the message means that things are bad and dangerous and that there is potential injury and that it needs to protect you. The problem is when this change happens, it also affects the nearby areas in the brain. So in your brain, your hand is located next to your face. So it is possible that when this change occurs in that um, in the brain, that that border between those two areas is not so clear. 
And when this problem happens in one area, it can lead to problems in neighboring areas. So what that means is we really need to change uh, this problem by addressing this change in the brain in order to strengthen up the brain's processing power so that it's better able to correctly process the information that it's getting from the body and not getting as confused and not just automatically assuming that it needs to protect. That's really the solution to addressing this kind of pain and this kind of spreading pain problem. Okay, so there you have it, right? We have um, four different ways that pain can spread without any new injury at all. And all of those ways involve the nervous system. So these are things that we can affect change with. We can influence the changes in our nervous system and cause things to improve, which is such good news, especially for those of you who have uh, who are listening, who have tried all of the traditional treatment methods and haven't seen any lasting improvements. You know, there's a point at which you've just got to stop chasing the pain and constantly searching for something else, some new injury or some new disease or some new condition. And that constant search is just fuel to the fire, right? When you're always looking for something mechanically or structurally wrong, your nervous system is going to continue to find this need to be overly protective to protect you from a potential injury. It's going to continue to amplify things, making the nervous system super sensitive and overly protective, making everything feel like a threat, making everything feel not safe, and making everything feel like a new injury. And the problem is there's many things that can cause pain to crop up without new injuries, like we just went over today. But when you keep looking for those structural problems, those mechanical type problems, you'll continue to keep finding solutions that address those mechanical and structural problems. And when that's when it's not that kind of problem, when there's more going on underneath all of that, that we can't see with the naked eye or that we can't see with x-rays or MRIs, then things don't seem to get any better. So that's where nervous system retraining comes into play. Things won't change. The, the pain will continue to spread and move from place to place and continue to scare you and paralyze you unless you can start addressing your nervous system. The pain will continue to travel around until you address the nervous system changes. So instead of chasing the pain, don't chase the pain. Let me help you address your nervous system with a simple step-by-step -step approach, okay? I'm accepting new clients to get started in my 16-week program, the Chronic Pain Breakup Method, right now. And this is the program for folks who are looking for natural, science-backed ways to address their pain problem by getting after that deeper cause, okay? It is super easy to get started. I screen everyone before even inviting them to join the program to make sure that they're a good fit. And so you and I can have that conversation. If you are a good fit, then we can talk about all the details of the program together and what it looks like for us to work together. But we can only do that step by having that one-on-one -on -one phone call. So just me and you, where we can connect and discuss your unique situation. So go ahead and set up your free, it's completely free, comfort clarity call today using the link in the description. If you have pain that spreads or travels, I'm sure this is going to be a great fit for you, but let's have that conversation so we can be sure of it. Otherwise, nothing changes unless nothing changes. So I do hope that you will book that call, and I hope that you've also found this topic 
today super helpful. So please be sure to share this episode with your friends and your family and also subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And thank you for listening today and we will talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Chronic Pain Breakup Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you want to take this relationship to the next level, you can connect with me and other pain crusaders inside my private Facebook group, Battling Chronic Pain with Neuroscience, where these episodes are actually recorded live. And I'd love to hear from you. Share your questions and biggest struggles with your chronic pain recovery journey by reaching out to me on Facebook or on Instagram at Pain Crusader. Thanks again for listening and never stop learning.